This is the latest edition of Return to Reason with Leon Fontaine, where knowledge, common sense, and wisdom intersect. With a high value of people and their right to think for themselves, Return to Reason endeavors to present the whole story so that you can make fully informed, wise decisions and bring positive change to your life, community, and to the nation. And now, here's Leon Fontaine. We were first told to stay home for a couple of weeks so we could flatten the curve. Well, did our collective efforts work? We've all become very familiar with capacity limits, stay-at-home orders, temporary school closures, and so on for the past two years. What does the data say? What was society's return on investment for collapsing the economy? I was determined to dig into this. Do lockdowns get a pass or a fail? Stay tuned to find out. On today's episode of Return to Reason, the failure of NPIs. Today, I'm gonna to walk you through some of the research I found on this topic, including impacts on healthcare, the economy, and society as a whole over the last two years. Every action causes a reaction. Every public policy has a consequence. As always, I encourage you to look into all of this yourself. You certainly don't have to agree with me. I am here to simply offer information and an opinion. What you do with that is totally up to you. After all, it is only in individual critical thinking and choice that we can have a flourishing, healthy society. It is widely known that the basis for instituting lockdown measures in early 2020, the likes of which had never been done on a global scale, was based on modeling. These models are computer algorithms based on limited data, a set of assumptions, parameters, and then extrapolated to quantify theories. Modeling itself is not good or evil. It is very common in scientific research, but they need to be given due perspective. George Box, considered one of the brightest of our 20th century statisticians, says, all models are wrong. Some models are useful. Well, if the models were all wrong, then when should authorities have reassessed and moved on? What did the emergency management plans say? Did we follow it? Former emergency management expert from the province of Alberta and retired armed forces colonel David Redmond explains why NPI's non-pharmaceutical interventions were such a huge failure. The premier should have immediately built a task force on the pandemic. That task force should have had people from the energy sector, from the livestock sector, from the retail sector, from the small business sector, most importantly, from the education sector. And when I say that, I mean people that work in the sector, not just the ministers. Instead, what happened, the premier handed the power to the medical officer of health, and she formed a task force on the pandemic, which only included medical expertise. The impact of the response we followed on our children will last their whole lives. 60 years till they eventually die. 
they will suffer from what we have done to them, both academically, but far more importantly, in crushing their social development by removing them from their schools. In January 2022, John Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health and Study of Business Enterprise released a paper titled, a literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns and COVID-19 mortality. The paper had some shocking findings. The purpose for the study was stated clearly as such. This systematic review and meta-analysis are designed to determine whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. Then they go on to define some terms. Lockdowns are defined as the imposition of at least one compulsory non-pharmaceutical intervention, or NPI. NPIs are any government mandate that directly restrict people's possibilities, such as policies that limit internal movement, close schools and businesses, and ban international travel. Well, this study scrutinized over 18,000 studies and ultimately landed on 24 that were eligible to be included within the meta-analysis. An analysis of each of the three subgroups of studies support the conclusion that lockdowns have had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. More specifically, stringency index studies find that lockdowns in Europe and the U.S. only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% on average. Shelter-in-place orders, like stay-at-home, were also ineffective, only reducing COVID-19 mortality by 2.9% on average. Specific NPI studies also find no broad-based evidence of notable effect on COVID-19 mortality. The three authors make this statement, which may be opinion, but is certainly based on their findings. While this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effect, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. 0.2% effect on mortality is statistically insignificant. And yet, for all Canadians, the weight of lockdowns was very significant. For some, lockdowns gravely affected their way of life, robbed them of careers, education, support services, or even the opportunity to hug their grandchildren. I'll be sharing some specific case studies later in the show. Let's take a look at the healthcare impacts. Experts are beginning to report a huge uptick in things like breast cancer, prostate cancer, and eating disorders. Why? Either because of fear of catching COVID or their doctor being unavailable, thousands of people did not get screened or treated early for these types of health issues. The U.S. Surgeon General's report laid out these American stats. 
In early 2021, emergency department visits in the United States for suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher for adolescent girls and 4% higher for adolescent boys. Moreover, pandemic-related measures reduced in-person interactions among children and professionals. This made it harder to recognize signs of child abuse, mental health concerns, and other challenges. It doesn't take an accomplished scholar to think forward a bit. In addition to a significant public health issue of declined mental health, backed up surgeries and swelling wait lists for specialists will indeed have devastating costs to the healthcare system over and above the loss of life attributed to COVID infections. In October of 2020, only seven months into North America's pandemic response, three highly esteemed doctors from Oxford, Stanford, and Harvard looked at all the data collected thus far. Remember, this was less than a year into things. They released a pandemic strategy based on their medical and scientific background called the Great Barrington Declaration. Contrary to the smear campaign that Fauci himself even stooped to participate in, the Great Barrington Declaration was not put forth by a few fringe epidemiologists and did not advocate for letting COVID run rampant and free. Not at all. The Great Barrington Declaration endorsed something called focused protection. You can absolutely look into the details for yourself. But focused protection basically advocates for highly stringent measures to ensure the aged and vulnerable in our population get whatever support they need to live safely in contaminant-reduced environments. Meanwhile, focused protection also recommends the rest of society carry on almost as normal and that those in public health would prepare adequately for a small surge that may come in waves during respiratory illness seasons. The Great Barrington Declaration may have been the key to saving millions of lives without the use of lockdowns. So, why was it totally ignored and ridiculed? In a recent episode of American Thought Leaders, one of the great Barrington Declaration authors, Dr. J. Bhattacharya, said this, A lockdown can mean a range of things, of course. The primary goal of a lockdown is to prevent humans from interacting with each other. The theory is that if you don't have two people interacting physically, then they can't spread the virus from one another. I think it was a catastrophic failure in terms of protecting people from getting and contracting COVID, and it was a catastrophic failure in terms of all the collateral harms it has had on societies all over the world. I think it's the single biggest public health mistake in history. Humans are, are born and, uh, to live in society with one another. 
it's not a, a, a normal thing to cut down our interactions. So, uh, you know, hugging your grandmother, uh, hugging your children, uh, going to coffee with your friends, going to work together. Uh, every single possible human interaction has been, has been severed. And so if you want to understand the scope of the effect of the lockdowns, you have to understand that every single aspect of life is going to be affected by them. So during the epidemic, we had, uh, just in the United States alone, uh, people who skipped their cancer treatments because they were more scared of COVID than cancer. They skipped cancer screening, so we'll see many more women with late-stage breast cancer this year that should have been caught early last year. You see now uh, things in the scientific literature uh, that have documented, again, millions and millions of children thrown into poverty worldwide, uh, food insecurity, potential starvation at, at a level not seen, I mean, other than before the major wars. Every aspect of human health that can possibly be hurt has been hurt by this. And I haven't even started to talk about the social damage, the, the anxiety. Once you ring that bell of panic and fear, it is very difficult to undo. What Dr. J. Bhattacharya is saying is accurate even a year later and is being continually backed up by scientists who have often been censored for simply speaking their lived experiences in emergency rooms, family practices, and such. Lockdowns may have saved a few lives, but cost us devastating amounts in other areas. I once heard it put that public health became so blind to all other aspects of the human experience that the only death that mattered was a death from COVID. Now, what did lockdowns cost us? If your first reaction is to shrink back in horror and say, how could one possibly put a cost on human life? Think of it like this. We make impact analysis decisions every day for our own lives and we don't think twice how fast to drive, what to eat, what activities to participate in. This is the way of the world. There is a cost to every human life. Although impacts are measurable, hear me clearly, life is a precious gift. Spending billions on things that don't work at saving lives takes billions away from spending on measures that would have saved lives. I'm going to go through just a few pieces of evidence that point to what lockdowns cost us Canadians in dollars and cents. In late 2021, the feds heard in a report that there is no doubt there were CERB abuses. That was our Canada Emergency Response Benefit. The committee transcript reads, Claims for $2,000 CERB checks were six times the number of COVID jobless. Cabinet budgeted the program at $24 billion. Actual payouts were $81.64 billion. Cost overruns have never been explained. Additionally, the Canada Revenue Agency paid millions in unrecoverable COVID wage subsidies to insolvent companies to the tune of 145.9 million records show. Revenue Minister Diane Libotillier disclosed the figures in the Commons in an inquiry of ministry in May of this year. Of those 750 companies, over half of them owed back taxes to CRA, but received the wage subsidy payments anyways. What about our GDP, gross domestic product? 
The GDP is a broad scope measurement of goods and services produced that power the Canadian economy. A report from Simon Fraser Institute states in 2020, Canada experienced about an 11% fall in the second quarter GDP, and the overall GDP fell by 5.1% according to Stats Canada. Close to half of the fall in Canada's GDP could be attributed to lockdown. This would amount to about $89 billion. To elaborate on this further, Livio Di Matteo, professor of economics at Lakehead University, comments on the situation as of fall 2021. GDP ultimately is what pays for healthcare. I mean, if your economy is disrupted, not not only is you know their unemployment and you know people don't have an income, but there's also the you know the tax revenues and the resources. Uh, that are used to provide health care. The drop in government revenue in particular, of course, was also a factor in the size of the deficits uh, that were then uh, incurred. Di Matteo's comments are, in fact, backed up by more recent findings, according to the transcripts of a Commons Health Committee in late March 2022, Bank of Canada researchers said lockdowns, not public anxiety, were to blame for the worst economic impacts. Government lockdowns were a consistent drag on year-over-year -year spending growth, outlined the report. The article also reads, an initial lockdown order March 13, 2020, prompted the sharpest economic downturn since the 1981 recession. The public health agency acknowledged it had no evidence repeated lockdowns were a net benefit. One report from Douglas Allen at Simon Fraser University analyzed over 80 pieces of literature to do a proper cost-benefit analysis of lockdown measures. An excerpt reads, over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been no public evidence that either the federal or provincial governments of Canada have considered both the benefit and cost sides of their policy decisions. To my knowledge, no government has provided any formal cost-benefit analysis of their actions. Indeed, the steady press conferences almost entirely focus on one single feature of the disease. There has seldom been any mention of the costs of the actions taken to address COVID. One could argue that the COVID-19 lockdown policy was only wrong ex post meaning hindsight is 2020. Looking back is unfair. However, as noted in the literature review by late April of 2020, it was already known that the empirical predictions of the SIRS-based models were wrong, that the models made a number of questionable assumptions that the deaths were highly skewed to the elderly, and that the costs were large. By August 2020, there was enough information available to show that any reasonable cost-benefit analysis would show that the lockdown was creating more harm than good. So no bureaucratic levers were in place to do a full cost-benefit analysis. Or if they were, the results were completely ignored and quietly swept under the rug. These numbers are not just numbers. 
we all will be living with the collateral damage of lockdowns for decades if we really want to seek justice for those who tragically died from COVID, we should be steadfast in our pursuit for accountability. Two medical doctors from California caused quite a stir early on in the pandemic by holding a simple press conference for local media to lay out some statistical data and share their real-life experiences working in critical care during the first wave of COVID. This clip has anecdotally been referred to as the most banned video on the internet. Typically, you quarantine the sick. When someone has measles, you quarantine them. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. Child molestation is increasing at a severe rate. We could go over multiple cases of children who have been molested due to angry, Family members who are intoxicated, who are home, who have no paycheck, these things last a lifetime. This isn't about a seasonal flu. These are things that will follow these people and affect them in a negative fashion for their life. And these are secondary effects from COVID. And these are for me talking to ERs, talking to my doctors, and talking to people across the country and finding out what they're seeing. Spousal abuse. We see people coming in here with black eyes and cuts on their face. It's an obvious abuse of case. These are things that will affect them for a lifetime, not for a season. Alcoholism, anxiety, depression, suicide, medical industry, we're all suffering because our staff isn't here and we have no volume. These are all real things that I'm seeing every day. We're actually seeing the patients. Dr. Fauci hasn't seen a patient for 20 years. He's not seeing patients, he's in an ivory tower. And we have a world of respect for him. He's a world-renowned immunologist. Two different things. He's an academic, but academics and reality is two different things. It's absolutely devastating when you hear it put like that. People's lives have been damaged far deeper and for much longer by the ripple effects of lockdowns than they would have been by catching COVID itself. What if you are a person with a comorbidity? Simply put, it's any underlying health condition that can exacerbate a viral respiratory infection. Comorbidities can be extremely broad in their definition, anything from obesity to having autism. Life can be challenging enough for people with chronic conditions, let alone navigating a pandemic with a potential loss of support services. Here's one example from an audiologist working in the Vancouver Coastal Health region. Carol Q. I had some concerns about the damage from the lockdowns and the measures and didn't see that there was a cost-benefit analysis that was being done. And working in public health, I saw programs that were being closed that would be really important for having open, such as uh, nutrition. And that program was closed. Dental health was closed. Substance use program was closed. And what I saw was um, unemployment rates were going up, which meant that substance use was going up. So what I saw in the population who have hearing loss is they were really struggling. They, they were struggling um, having more barriers to communicate than they normally have. And so there were surveys that I was receiving through my college saying that people with hearing loss are experiencing more anxiety and more 
depression than the general population. Joseph Quinnell, a senior research associate with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, recounted a heartbreaking dilemma for a group of single mothers from one of Manitoba's Cree nations, making the point that lockdowns, however inconvenient or costly, do not affect everyone equally. They were fined $5,000 for breaking the community's stay-at-home order in order to obtain essential groceries. One of the women facing the fines told media she traveled to Thompson to get food and diapers because the band's grocery stores were closed and the paid grocery delivery system was behind schedule. So to get food and provide for her baby, she broke the stay-at-home order. I guarantee you this story is not unique. Regardless of a pandemic, parents' number one concern is for their children. That is pure instinct. No draconian policy would be very successful at stopping an angry mother. As the adage goes, when children are in trouble, the only difference between a mom and a pit bull is lipstick. There are disproportionate consequences of lockdown measures for a lot of different groups in our society. Far worse is that most politicians aren't talking about it. Individuals who worked in food manufacturing, grocery stores, the transportation sector, and medical frontline workers, they all continued to work and keep things running. These individuals and their families didn't benefit at all from the supposed lack of exposure that was projected by lockdowns. Even when Liberal MP criticized his federal party's stringent approach when he put it this way, not everyone can earn a living using their MacBook while at the cottage. Dr. Paul Alexander is a medical doctor focusing on clinical epidemiology, evidence-based medicine, and research methodology. Scientists like him were and have continued to be censored. When we looked at all of the data across the world for the last two years, two months, um, and we study all of the countries, all of the locations, settings, states, provinces, any country, um, there's, no, there's no evidence anywhere that any lockdown by any government, any task force have, has worked. They all fail. They all fail to curb transmission as well as reduce the risk of death. When you lock the society down for too long and too hard, too tight, the virus is not going to go away. That's number one. It will remain and it responds to that pressure because the virus has one objective and the objective is to replicate itself. It, it seeks to do nothing else but that. It actually doesn't want to kill the host. The problem with that is the base population does not, you deny your population from getting closer to a population level herd immunity. You deny the people from exercising their own natural immunity at enough levels in the base population so that when an infectious variant like Omicron comes along, you will be in a situation very vulnerable and, and thousands, tens of thousands of Canadians died needlessly. That has to be investigated at some point. People need to be held accountable for that because we told them, we showed them, they understood. 
but they just didn't want to act. And it, a lot had to do with politics too. I don't know about you, but I've never been so fired up to seek more truth and knowledge and to do something, whatever it takes, to ensure this doesn't happen in the true North, strong and free, ever again. As the great martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is in itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. My challenge to you then is after watching today, what will you do with this information? Crises will come again. We know this. History repeats itself, but devastating political mistakes don't have to. How we navigate each crisis is absolutely crucial to our success as a nation. Vigorous debate, trust in public institutions, accountability, and wisdom should all be equal positions at the policy table. A citizen's public inquiry may be the best tool to unearth the truth and communicate the lessons Canada has learned the hard way. At the risk of repeating myself, I want to challenge you with a few things today. First of all, request the reference material so you can go over some of the documentation I've highlighted today. You'll feel that much more empowered with knowledge if you read it for yourself. Secondly, write and call your elected official to let them know how lockdowns affected you, how grieved you are that a cost-benefit analysis was never done for the public to see, and that you want to know how they will prevent similar mistakes from happening again in the future. Third, share this show with a friend. Most Canadians have COVID fatigue. People need hope. Never underestimate the power of sharing a simple link. The internet is a powerful tool to share knowledge, but I urge you, use your own intelligence and experience to critically consider every single piece of information you hear, including this show, so you can make your own wise decisions. Let's all return to reason. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv. There, you can also find out more about Leon, his books, and his other media series. You can help us grow this podcast by rating, reviewing, sharing this episode with a friend, or subscribing. Still want more? Follow Leon Fontaine on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes.